what I was saying is a lot of people like to focus on the sensuality and the sex part, but for me, a huge aspect of what I took from them was communal living, how to communicate with people in a healthy way, how to all be part of a, a team to, to make the whole living environment better, and how to give back to your community. That was Angela Tabora. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, we bring you photographers, musicians, business owners, and other San Franciscans telling stories and responding to the question, what is it about this place? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9, Part 2. In Part 1, Anne shared the story of how she ended up in San Francisco's Morehouse, a place for communal living and sensuality classes. In this podcast, she talks about the documentary movie that she made about the house and its inhabitants. Here's Ange. What were some of the, like, did you, did you lay out, um, like, you know, parameters or like, what are we going to film when, when you pitched it to, well, to your so, roommates? So once, once they said they were cool with it, I was like, okay, well now you're really going to have to explain to me what this lifestyle is all about because then I can pick and choose uh, what I think is important and, and what I think is even possible because obviously they're not just going to let me record them having sex or doing, which is manual for the most part. It's uh, not a, a dick kind of thing. It's a hand kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michelle's face. <laughs> just <laughs> <That's> sorry. <laughs> she, she looked, you looked so pleased by that, like, oh... <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> they still teach courses, by the way. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about the history of Morehouse. Yes, because, uh, let's do. W- once I got the green light, they're like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's talk all about Morehouse. So it all was started by a man named Victor Barranco. He and his wife, Susie, in the 60s, wanted to take their sexing to a new level. So they're like, okay, let's explore. Let's explore sexuality, sensuality. Um, and through their findings... What those findings were the premise of Morehouse, and they called it Morehouse because more. You want more, more out of life, more is a good thing. And um, one thing that I really loved about uh, their approach was uh, it's that we're already perfect, but within perfection there is still room for change and growth. It wasn't like something's wrong with our sex life, let's fix it. That's already starting at a negative point, but it's like we're perfect the way we are. And let's explore that and grow within that perfection. Uh, And so they started teaching courses in sensuality. uh, And Vic's main purpose was if, if the women in our lives were pleased, then the men will be pleased in turn. And coming from a patriarchal society to this day, that's fucking huge. Right. So uh, Morehouse was established in 1968. Uh, so all the so uh, basically um, they started a home in Lafayette, and one thing that's really funny is like uh, image was really important to them too. So purple, they chose purple to be their color. So all of the homes are painted purple. The home that I lived in is painted purple. They would travel around in these old beat up purple limousines, and it was just like you know they just wanted people to know like we're living, you know we're 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 uh, his his uh, one of his phrases is fun is the goal, love is the way. Um, he, he just, he wanted to explore pleasuring women and, and he found that when the women are pleased, so are the men. 
and uh, that's a theory I can get behind. <laughs> a women, right? So um, everybody likes to focus on the sex aspect because obviously that's intriguing. Uh, one of their courses, for example, you will witness a woman in orgasm for an hour. Uh, just so you know that it's possible. The intensity and the duration, it, it's possible. It used to, actually, the first time that they did this course, she was in orgasm for three hours. And then they were it's like, exhausting. you know what? I think I think they get the point after one. I mean, after a while, I'm going to get hungry. I'm like, I get it, you know? So they, they cut it down to one hour. Because they were like, three was a bit excessive. Jeez. But they they wanted you to know that it's possible. That's definitely more. <laughs> right. That's more than I need, I think, personally. But uh, it's funny because I wasn't allowed to film anything in Lafayette. I wasn't allowed to film any of the courses. I could take them if I wanted to. But as a college kid, I don't have $300 to take an orgasm class, unfortunately. You know? Uh, unfortunately. I mean, that was a... Maybe now I can save up and finally take that orgasm but um, I watched a video of a course and it's essentially a woman, you know, in the, basically it's like an OBGYN table with her legs up facing the class. And then a man comes up, he's wearing gloves, he uses Vaseline and he's like, now I'm gonna rub blah, blah, blah. And you hear her like, Aah! you know? And then he's like, see how it's turning like this deep pink? That means this. And then he'll like put in her fing his fingers and he's like, and then when I go to the left, and she's like, Rawr! like pterodactyl. And I was watching this with my roommates like. It's almost like clinical sex. Absolutely. It's very much not an emotional thing, but a like, I think you should get done because it's good for you. It's very much, or so they say, but of course emotion gets in the way. Of course. Somebody's going to have their favorites and... And just because you're part of Morehouse, it doesn't mean that you're just doing everyone. Some people are monogamous, some people are parts of groups, and some people are celibate and don't even practice that part. It's more the communal thing that they're uh, drawn to. And um, so that's, so, so what I was saying is a lot of people like to focus on the sensuality and the sex part, but for me, a huge aspect of what I took from them was communal living, how to communicate with people in a healthy way, how to all be part of a, a team to, to make the whole living environment better and how to give back to your community. That was a huge part of their, their living was they would go and get old flowers from the flower mart, old bread from Semi Freddy's, this uh, bakery. They would get um, groceries, old groceries from the market and hand them out to the community. Like we went out, we went, went out to different um, parts of the community and they would go to the hospital to deliver flowers. And that for me... I think it was a huge, huge impact on me is like, wow, there's so much that we can do. There's so much that we are capable of doing that really doesn't take much. It takes no money. It just takes effort. And um, so I attribute that aspect of myself to them, uh, my, my deep involvement with volunteering and, and uh, really wanting to give back to my community and seeing what a huge effect that has on it. So yes, there's that sex thing that's obviously intriguing, but really for me it was this um, communal living and, and, and really caring about each other and seeing how that affects your life. It's almost karmic in a way, right? Like For sure. Like, oh, there's this intense pleasure aspect on one hand, mm -hmm. but like it can't just be that. Mm -hmm. It has to be coupled with charity and then... 
right I, and I th- giving and i think it all comes down to our connectedness we're not alone in this world whether you like it or not right. and when we when we decide to come to terms with the fact that like the way you are is going to affect the way that i am in terms of just happiness and and synchronicity once you realize that we all have an effect on each other whether you like it or not then you can really take hold of that effect and and make it a positive one and it comes back to you so i really love them for that and um, there are a couple different principles that morehouse teaches that that also really taught me a lot one of them was vic uh started this thing called a one no vote so they would have meetings and in my san francisco home we had these as well once a month we'd have house meetings and if one person voted no we wouldn't go move forward that's it sort of like the Native American way as well. It's just like everybody's voice matters just as much. Right. So even Every though decision you're not, needs to be unanimous. Mm-hmm. So even though you're not part of the majority, if you're uncomfortable with something, we're not going to do it. Or let's talk through it and maybe we can, you'll, you'll be comfortable in the end of this conversation. But um, so I love that aspect of like, so Vic was running this home, but he's like, my voice is not any more important than anyone else's. So, um, that was that was a really big one and then and then he started this thing called sanctuary and uh essentially he understood that at some points in your life you just need a break from your life so if you were part of the morehouse community and you're going through a rough patch they'd be like okay don't work don't do anything we'll take care of you and uh when i was living in the san francisco home we had this man named conway living living there for free but in turn, he was living in sanctuary, and he would cook our meals for us five nights a week. He was the chef, and he was HIV positive, so all of our meals were very healthy and and um, low fat, and and it was incredible. So yeah, he was living there for free, but really he gave back so much more. So there's this understanding of like, we're not all meant to be robots, nine to five, Monday through Friday. This is when we work every day, uh, all year, uh, and like sometimes we need a fucking break. And so all these, at 22, all these ideas are being taught to me. And I'm just like, fuck, blown away. Just blown away. And there is something so, like, I, I'm i not going to say this doesn't exist at all in Southern California. But, like, going back to, like, you're a Southern California kid. You're coming up to San Francisco. There is something so Northern California so and San, San Francisco <laughs> about it. Yeah. Right? And I was like, of course I end up living in this situation. Of course. Yeah. No, but I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. And I think that um, at the time as well, I was dating a girl. And it was the first girl that I ever dated. So here I was growing up Catholic, uh, moving to San Francisco. Now I'm dating a girl. So I'm coming to terms with my own sexuality. I'm very uncomfortable. I, I basically was never comfortable. I was I knew that it was right. I knew that I loved her. So I knew that I was doing the right thing for myself. But I was never, I, I, I never thought that... Um, I always had that guilt, that fucking Catholic guilt. Even though I knew that I loved her and it was the right thing for me at that moment. So here I am like still coming to terms with my own sexuality and then here are these like people that are just like, what? Just love, just be free and you know, in terms that are like respectful and you know, (laughs) obviously, but just do. Just do. Just, yeah, no it, just do. Just do. Okay, so it comes time to start filming the documentary. Uh, the school thankfully funded everything. So we got cameras, we got everything that we needed, really nice equipment. 
and uh, I had a crew based on there was a course that was like documentary filmmaking and and then we would basically like pick a crew out of it. Uh, my my documentary and the other one that got picked uh, to be produced by the school. So um, we're filming, and the and the funny thing is, like, we're shooting interviews and stuff. But really, the magic came when I was just home alone, and some shit was going down. And I grabbed the camera and filmed it. Like, uh, for example, Denise, who's one of my favorites, um, we're having a dinner party for one of our roommates that's moving out, and she's preparing this chicken. And we're drinking wine at the time, right? She's preparing this, like, chicken breast, I, I believe it was. And she's talking about, like, sensuality or whatever. And she's like, for example, I can just rub this chicken and feel this chicken. And I'm sitting there like, keep the camera still. Keep the camera still. I've had a glass of wine in me. And she's like, I could just feel this chicken with a taking touch. That's what they call it, a taking touch. A touch that's for me, not you. Because we think we touch someone for them. But what if you touch someone, but you're really taking in from that touch instead of giving? And then she goes, see, I just, I'm touching this chicken, and now I feel it in my crotch. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm like, keep it together. Stay cool, stay cool. But, like, these are the moments that never would have happened with a crew. It was just because I lived with them, you know. So I, <laughs> so um, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot, a lot of um, my exploration with them was really me just getting more comfortable with myself too. It was this really. Uh, it was the the biggest lesson that I got out of school. <laughs> well, I was gonna say had nothing to do with school. Also, she felt com- whatever it was. She felt comfortable enough, even though the camera was going. That with you in the room, they, even though the camera's on, they trusted like me so much. They, they, they trusted me with so much. And uh, another thing that I want to talk about that I got to film was they do this thing called visual inventory, and it's part of their basic sensuality course. And it has to do with you just understanding how sexy you are and how beautiful you are and, and self confidence. So what you do is uh, the best way to do it is when you get out of the shower naked, just stand in front of the mirror and start talking about what you like about yourself physically it has nothing to do with I'm smart I'm this just look in the mirror and what do you like when do you ever do that we look in a mirror to see if anything's fucked up right that's our connotation but they taught me to look in a mirror and find the beauty and what happens is if you do it regularly you start finding more and more things and then all of a sudden once you head out into the real world you're like I'm fucking hot you know like I'm sorry no, but it's true. I mean, try it. Just look in a mirror and don't see the fault. See the beauty. It's just a different filter. It's like, okay, to put it in millennial terms, you're using a different filter, right? You're not using the ugly filter. You're using the beauty filter. And then and then see what comes of that. And trust me, it'll keep adding on. It'll keep adding on because there's so much. There's so much. And so they tell you that now it's a part of you. Yeah, well, it's uh, I, it's part of the documentary. Yeah, too, they were not naked, but uh, two of them were gracious enough to do a visual inventory for me. And it's awesome. I was like, fuck yeah, good, great. I love it. And I, I'd never heard anybody's speak to themselves in that way, but also not in a way that's like egotistical. It's just like, oh, you know, oh, I like my fingers. You know, they're not, you know, it's not, it's not a... Uh, flashy thing it's just like appreciating yourself i remember after that i uh texted my friend who was my producer and i was like 
I think I just fucking filmed some gold because you know the whole time like I wasn't able to film anything sexual I was filming some interesting stuff and communal living and whatever but any of the sex stuff I wasn't able to film but I was like I think I, I think I got something good today <laughs> I mean and that a chicken breast has never looked the same a raw chicken breast just has never looked the same maybe that's why I like them so much I'm like, I'll take taste? the breast how did it taste that night <laughs> Salty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, actually. But anyway, I knew that I knew that when I was shooting the documentary that I couldn't just interview Morehouse people. Like, I had to have some inside com- conversation on on uh, the commune. But I was like, how the fuck do I do that? It wasn't as, as simple as going to Facebook or Twitter or whatever like we do today. This was 2002. Um, so I started asking people and it was crazy one of my friends as well as one of my sister's friends both were raised in Lafayette and knew of them as the purple people that's what they were called and I was like are you fucking kidding me so we were able to interview them just about like what did you think of them what did they feel like to the outside world Um, and then I reached out to like anything in Lafayette that I could, the police department, the library, the this, the that. I'm like, do you know anything about the Morehouse started in 1968, blah, blah, blah. And somebody reached out to me. He was a parole officer at the time. Uh, And he was a, so he was a parole agent in California and one of his parolees invited him to his wedding. And he's like, okay, great. Yeah, of course I'll come. And it just so happened to be in La- in uh, Morehouse in Lafayette, the wedding. And so he shows up. It's this great story. Now you're not even going to need to watch the documentary. But anyway, I just can't believe I found this guy because this was in a time when like you just don't find people like you do today. Right. You know. Um, so I go to interview him and I have no idea what he's going to tell me. But he's like, I have a story about Morehouse. I think you'll like it. So I show up and he tells me like this parolee invites him to his wedding. It's at the Lafayette home. And he shows up in like suit and tie and everybody's like half naked. And he's like, okay, this is different. He said he felt like a narc. He's like, everybody was just like, who invited this guy? So the wedding ceremony takes place in their bed. The groom is wearing a bow tie and that's it. The bride is wearing a veil and that's it. So they go through the whole ceremony and everything happens. And then at the end, everybody invites them to stay and watch the consummation of the, of the marriage. And he goes, that's when while, I decided. While you're here. Yeah. He's like, that's when I decided it's time to go. <laughs> but it was like, yeah, we, we were able to find, I mean, the, obviously they made an impact in their community to the point where like people remember if they've ever had any, uh, <laughs> any experiences with the people of Morehouse. We started in January. We ended it in May. So it was like a four or five months shot, edited, done. And then I was graduated from from school with that so it was cool it was like such an integral time in my life and it was such an important um thing for me to learn about these alternative lifestyles as a as a woman graduating from college and coming into my own as an as a young adult is like oh wait i don't necessarily graduating from college i don't need to follow some certain sort of rules or there are possibilities beyond what i can even imagine so um, that's led me to definitely to who I am today. Uh, so I, I'm forever grateful to them for that. So Dave, who passed away, uh, who was the owner of the home, who interviewed me, who let me live with this amazing group of people, he said something really beautiful in a documentary that I'd love to end on. He said, there's nothing to fix. It's just a matter of enjoying, having more fun, and growing as a person. 
So I think, um, yeah, that's something special to end on is just don't be so hard on yourself. You're beautiful. You're perfect. But there's always room for growth. And just be aware of that and do the best you can. That's all we can do. That was Angela Tabora. Check back next week when you'll hear from former Green Apple Books owner Kevin Hunsinger. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date on everything we do. Seasons 1 and 2 of the podcast are up on our website, storiedsf.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and rate and review the show. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.